you know, people started putting up Christmas lights weeks ago. And I remember walking along in the morning and, and seeing this neighbor, this neighbor of ours, he always says hi, he waves, whether he's walking his dog, whether he's driving his truck or driving his, his antique car, he, he always waves to me. And I, one day I need to ask him what his name is. <laughs> I, he's just very, very kind. And so I noticed in his front window that there was a tree and, you know, this is early December, but it's not too early to put up Christmas lights, and he's got it decorated with lights. And as, as some of you know, Christmas <clears throat> really makes me emotional. It's been making me emotional. I actually was called softy today, and I took, <laughs> I took resentment to that. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering if... I see in his front window, there's this, this Christmas tree with the white lights, and I'm like, I wonder what that means for him. I wonder what it is that he's trying to communicate with that. And then I just see in the neighborhood of the people that are decorating their houses with lights, and I'm just wondering, what, what is it that they're trying to communicate? Are they a believer? And you know, we know most people that decorate their houses aren't, they really don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, so I'm like, what was the purpose of lights in the first place on Christmas trees? So I did a little research, and it sort of conflicts with Pastor Steve's research, and so I don't even know if I should say it, because somebody's wrong. <laughs> Let's just keep it this way. Lights on a tree represent, or according to my findings, represented Jesus being the light of the world. Amen. And we would, ex that, that's initially what, what was my initial thought, that these lights on Christmas trees are commemorative of Jesus being the light of the world. They actually started as candles. And I don't know how long that lasted, because putting candles on a Christmas tree, probably not that good. But it started over in, in, in Europe. Anyway, John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, I cry out to you this morning that your word be proclaimed clearly. Lord, that you would distinguish every distraction in our minds today. That we would be able to focus on your word, that your spirit would work within us, that your, your spirit might work through those at home who are live streaming who might not know your son. Lord, open up their understanding. Bring about salvation to even one today, Lord, and allow your servant to, to boldly proclaim, proclaim the truth of your word this morning. I ask in Jesus' name that you would be glorified and exalted in it all. Amen. Amen. Emmanuel. The title of my message is simple. It's Emmanuel. We know what that means. God with us. 
all 2023, and I believe even earlier, we've been trying to go going through the Gospel of John, trying to, well, not trying to, just, just reiterating what, what John has said. Truly many other things Jesus did in the presence of his in the presence of disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written, and you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you would have life in his name. That's the purpose of the Gospel of John. That's what we have been trying to do all year long. Through those seven miracles, show you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you would have life in his name. We're going to continue that this morning. First, I'd like to just set a little. When, we, when I worked in the factory, we had a, a heat treating area, and there was this, this, this furnace, and you needed to set the atmosphere in the furnace. It had to have the right gas-air mixture, to have the right atmosphere, to bring that furnace up to the right temperature. Okay, I want to set the atmosphere right here. It has nothing to do with the temperature. Okay. How was Jesus going to be addressed as he, as he came into the world? Gabriel told Mary he should be called the Son of God. We find that in Luke chapter 1. He should be called the Son of God. Interestingly enough, who addressed him as the Son of God? The devil did. The demons did. The unbelieving leaders in Israel did. And then there was the, the centurion that was at the foot of the cross that saw everything that transpired as Jesus hung on the cross and, and when he finally breathed his last breath and his spirit was given over and, and, and the, the ground shook and the, the tombs opened and there was an earthquake and, and he said, what was his response? Surely this man was the son of God. Surely. The mockers called him the Son of God. <clears throat> and his disciples. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, and Pastor Steve already mentioned this this morning, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I could just stop right there. We live in a messed up world, don't we? We live in a messed up world, and it's just getting messier as time passes on. People are saying that right is wrong and wrong is right. They're calling justice injustice and injustice justice and good evil and evil good. It just gets twisted and perverse more and more every single day. Well, my friends, Jesus came to save us from this. That's why he came. See, he was called the Son of God. He was called Jesus. Prophet Isaiah, some 700 years before Christ was even born, said, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. December 6th, 2023, the Lord blessed us with little Ruby Noel. Caleb and Han I, I saw Caleb and Shelley. They're actually here with little Ruby. 
I'm not going to embarrass you. I'll let someone else do that because it'll be like nepotism because I'm your dad and, you know, whatever. But what do people do with a newborn? I know for us, when, when our firstborn was, was, was brought into the world, Luke, all we could do is we, I wish I had a, we just hang over, hung over the crib and we just stared at him. He, he just, this little baby that has come to life that was in my mother, my, my mother, my wife's womb for nine months, there he is, he's in the nursery that was empty for so long and we just, we just stared at him. So I went to visit Caleb and Shelley and Ruby, and I walked into the room at University Hospital, and, and, and Shelley was in the bed. Ruby was on her lap, and what was Shelley doing? She was staring at Ruby. And then my wife took Ruby, and she was staring at Ruby, and then it was my turn to stare at Ruby, and so I got Ruby, and I put her in my lap, and all I did is I just stared at her looking at those soft little cheeks and those little kissy lips that babies have, you know? And her eyes and the little, the little nose that God put on her. And I was just overwhelmed and just stared at her. Now, go to the manger where this, this young first-time family who miraculously conceived the baby, and Joseph had nothing to do with it, but he had his communication with the angel. And so this, this, this young mother Mary has got this baby that, that, that is from the Holy Spirit, knowing that he will be called the Son of God, knowing that he's Emmanuel. So you got this, you got this little baby with all its cuteness and then wrapped up inside all that cuteness is what? God. God. So it's not just a little cute baby. For first-time parents, it's God wrapped up in human flesh. And I can only imagine they just stared at him and adored him. Isaiah further says in chapter 9, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. Little baby Jesus in the manger, <laughs> The government will rest on his shoulders. He should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father. And for my Spanish-speaking friends, Principe de Paz, Prince of Peace. This past weekend, I was able to go to the uh, Lake County Civic Choral Chorus. What's it called? Lakeland. Lakeland Civic Chorus. They sang the Hallelujah Chorus as part of one of their songs. And the thing that struck me the most is you're getting towards the end, and he shall reign. And I can't sing, so I won't sing, so don't worry. He said, they sang, and he shall reign forever and ever. 
And then the chorus echoes, forever and ever, hallelujah, hallelujah. And they repeat it again, and he shall reign forever and ever, forever and ever, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, this, this baby Jesus, who's, who's God wrapped up in little soft baby flesh, is going to have the government resting upon his shoulders, and he is going to reign forever and ever and ever. I'm excited because we live in this messed up world, but uh-oh. I better hurry up. He's going to reign. He's going to make all things well. He's going to put everything back in order, and he's going to reign forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. So, Ben, there's my request for next year's Christmas, whatever we do, hallelujah chorus. If you need help, I'm there. I'll just lip sync. So you're probably wondering about the lights here. They're actually not Christmas lights. Well, they're probably Christmas lights, but I'm not using them as Christmas lights. I want you to remember this, and you never get lost at sea. Red, right, returning. Red, right, returning. These are navigational lights at every port. And as you're heading out to sea from my end, the red light is going to be on your left. That means you're heading out into open water. That means you're going downstream out into open water. But when, but when the Navy vessel or, or the, the nautical vessel is out in the sea and is looking to find bearing to come into port to find safe haven, these lights indicate where that entrance is and how to approach. So coming from open water into sea, you return with the red light on the right as you return. Red, right, returning. Christ's coming. Now again, this is just a human illustration, and there's always a point where a human illustration falls apart. Christ's returning was marked with navigational lights. Not a green light and a red light but I think you'll understand as I move on. What I'd like to do is, is show you, just, just answer a few questions, the when, where, how, and why of the coming of Emmanuel. So let's start. When did he come? Luke says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taking of all the inhabited earth. I'm reading in Luke chapter 2, excuse me. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So when Quirinius, I said that incorrectly, excuse me, Quirinius was governor of Syria is when the decree was given 
that there would be a census. Now that, that's, that's key as far as if we date when. We know it wasn't December 25th, but we date when, okay? Galatians 4.4, Paul says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So there was an appointed time when Jesus would be born. God just wasn't waiting and waiting and waiting for the, the perfect opportunity. No, there was a designated time, the fullness of time. So he ordered a census. Joseph and Mary, Mary, the scripture says, was great with, with child, had to return to Jerusalem because that takes us to the why, or the where, excuse me. The fullness of time was marked by a great light that led men to the light of the world. John says that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. It led shepherds to the manger. It led wise men from the east to the house where the child lay. Now, if you're here tonight and you know Christ as your Savior, it led you right to the foot of the cross. Light. Where did Emmanuel come? Well, according to Micah, he needed to be born in Bethlehem. That's what God ordained, that this child be born in Bethlehem. How interesting it is that he orders that census when, when, when Joseph was was uh, around Galilee, and he needed to go to his place of birth, so he returned to Bethlehem because that's where the child Jesus would be born. So the scripture says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house he was of the house and family of David. How did he come? Well, first he came as a fulfillment of a promise. That promise was made way back in Genesis chapter 3. Thousands and thousands of years before he, was, he, was, he, was, he came into this world, there was a promise. And God made that promise to the devil. He says, and I will put enmity between you and her, to your seed and her seed, and he will crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. That dialogue was with the devil. But he was making reference to the Redeemer, the one who saves us from our sins. It came miraculously. John, in chapter 1, verse 14, says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten of, from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh in the infant Jesus. God in human flesh. Let's just try and wrap our hands around that idea. God wrapped up in human flesh in a little baby. And it came with great proclamation. 
Luke chapter 2, if you want to follow along, I'm in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. The same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping over their watch, keeping over their flock, keeping watch over their flock by night. The angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David there has been born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe, baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. I was sharing with the M&M's group yesterday that the Jewish nation had been waiting for this day for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Generation after generation and, and the, the prophecy never got lost, the hope never got lost that one day he would come now, here's these shepherds that are in the field, and, and I did a little study about that, and it seems that these shepherds in the area that they were, that they were guarding watch over their flock of sheep that was destined to be sacrifices in the temple. How interesting it is that the angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds, guard, shepherds guarding those sheep that were destined for temple sacrifice, to announce to them the Lamb of God. I can only imagine their fear. This great light, the, the angel suddenly, that's it, it, instantly and out of nowhere, suddenly they were just watching the sheep and then there was this great light. An angel of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The scripture says they were terribly afraid. <laughs> terribly afraid. The angel comforts them. Do not be afraid. For I bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Who is that good news of great joy for? It was for all people. Amen? It was for all people. For unto you there is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The proclamation got even greater when the angel of the Lord was accompanied with an even greater company of angels, of heavenly hosts. Here's where you come in. Okay, M&Ms, remember yesterday? You guys are my helpers. I'm just going to try. You can say what you want to say later, but I'm just going to try. Okay? Let's try and grasp what that, what that proclamation really sounded like. Now, it was a, it was a, it was, the scripture says, <clears throat> a multitude of heavenly hosts. So the idea is this is an army of angels. 
You know, oftentimes I think in my mind, yeah, there may be 15, 16 angels up there around the angel of the Lord, and they all said with a loud voice. But the idea here is a multitude of heavenly hosts, that's without number, and it's a great army of angels, and they're not pro proclaiming war, they're proclaiming peace. Peace on earth. So let's see if we can do this. I want you to say in a loud voice, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. We're all, that's all we're going to say because the rest of it might get, you might get tongue-tied with the rest of it, okay? And this is the rhythm. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Okay, are you with me? So the first time around, it's going to be practice. All right? Here's the rhythm. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And everyone's got to say it. Okay? Ready? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Amen. That was cool. That was practice. But that wasn't a proclamation. I don't think the angels said glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. I think they proclaimed it. They declared it. They announced it with joy and with glory. Ready? Second time around. It's still practice. With emotion. We want the fire dudes across the street to hear it. Okay? Ready? Glory to God in the highest Okay, now it's for real. <laughs> now it's for real. Take it up one more notch. The angels that were around that angel of the Lord and those shepherds that were just awestruck. Just with the one angel's announcement, now there's a multitude of heavenly hosts saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Amen. Amen. Doesn't that comfort your soul? Peace. Peace on earth. Peace can now exist between God of man. Why? Because the peacemaker has arrived. El principe de paz. The prince of peace has arrived. Peace can now exist. It didn't exist before. In fact, Paul says that Jesus Christ, in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, for he himself is our peace. Now, okay, that peace, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased... So now there's like a narrower focus on who this peace is for. Scripture says, among men with whom he is pleased. So the natural question would be, with whom is he pleased? Think about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without this... It's impossible to please God. Without what? 
without faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that peace that is announced is good for those who live by faith. They have realized they've followed the navigational lights and they've come to the Savior by faith. Faith that he is indeed the Son of God and that by believing in him, they would have life in his name. So in response to that great and miraculous proclamation of the arrival of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the shepherds made haste and went straight to Bethlehem to find out with their own eyes. They followed the navigational lights that the angel of the Lord spoke, and they found him just as the angel said. Sometime later, with a not-so-glorious light, but a glorious light nevertheless, the wise men from the east followed that star, a light in the sky, right to the house where the king of the Jews lay. Now, that star was another navigational light. We, we know sailors use the stars to, to navigate when they're out in open water. These magi came from the east following a star. Now, this had to be a different kind of star, right? Because the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. The, the moon rises in the <laughs> east, east, and sets in the west, just like the sun does, and the stars do the same thing. Now, we know some of them are closer to the equator or closer to the horizon, so we don't, we don't see this. We might see that, but... Starts in the east and the west. So, so think about it now. So they're following this star. Let's see. 306 is there. So here's the east, I'm assuming. East is that way. So they're following this star in the east. And as they follow, it gets higher in the sky and higher in the sky. And eventually it's like this. And so they continue following it because now it's starting to set in the west. And they just go right back from where they came from. This star was different. It continued to stay before them while the other stars rotated around the earth. Well, the earth is doing the rotation, but you know what I mean. This star was different. And then, in some miraculous way, it just set right over the house where Jesus was. And they followed that star right to the king, the man to be born, king of the Jews. So we talked about the when, we talked about the where and the how. Now let's talk about the why of Emmanuel's coming. Why did he come? Well, his name gives away what he's going to do. He will save his people from her sin, their sins. So that, that's part of the reason. That's a very big part of the reason. Galatians 1 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God and the Father. To rescue us from this present evil age. That's what I said in the beginning. Christ came to, to rescue us from this 
world that we live in, this is cool if I can say that. And I think you know me well enough that I'm not a Bob Jones grad. And so my vernacular is like, cool. It's Collinwoody, because that's where I grew up. Mark, are you here? Where are you? I saw you. Yeah, there you are. Amen, brother. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, says 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Can anybody say amen? Amen. And he came to save us from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. And he will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore the zeal of the lord will the lord of uh, the lord of hosts will have com- will accomplish it isaiah 9 verse 7 so here's the conclusion of the matter the bible has been telling us since it was written that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing in him you might have life in his name if you follow the navigational lights if you coming out from sea red right returning right so you're going to come in I gotcha I thought Andy what's going on (laughs) red right returning following the navigational lights well what are the navigational lights okay so the illustration falls apart right here what are the navigational lights for us it's the written word of God working in concordance with the Holy Spirit those are our navigational lights. Every one of you that came here was, came, was guided by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working in, a, in accord with the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Right? Following the navigational signs, the navigational lights, as the shepherds found Jesus in the manger, just as the angel said, as the wise men found Jesus in that house, as, the, as that navigation light, that, that miraculous star rested upon that house, following the navigational lights, it'll take you right there. And that's where you need to be. Amen. That's where you need to be. You folks who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to stay there. Those who have never done this, those who have never understood it, and maybe you still don't understand But you need to understand that, that Jesus came. We're, we're going to celebrate his birth. He came to save us from our sins. He came to save you from your sin. 
If you're at home listening for the first time, he came to save you from your sins. But you have to come this way. You can't go on your own. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. Following those lights, the, 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 the Holy Spirit working in, in agreement with the word of God, it'll lead you right there where there's forgiveness of sin and salvation and reconciliation with God. Isn't that great? Amen. In a few minutes, we're going to have some baptisms and you're going to hear testimonies they're not going to refer to the navigational lights, but the Lord has used them in all of our lives. I do, though, want to give opportunity. I won't spend much time to give you a chance to respond. I'm going to ask you just to close your, head, close your eyes and bow your head. You don't have to do it right now. I'm just going to explain, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to God sitting right where you are, just raise your hand. Pastor Mark, this makes sense. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to repent of my sins, and I want to give my life to Christ. So let's close our eyes. Let's bow our head, and I'm going to ask that question. Is there anyone here hearing this for the first time or hearing it for the first time where it finally makes sense that you realize you need to repent of your sin and ask Christ to save you. If there's someone like that, would you please raise your hand? And you don't even have to raise your hand. You could just acknowledge it in your heart that you're a sinner and then Christ came to save you. Ask him, Lord, forgive me and save me, and he will. If you still have questions, you can approach me, you can approach any pastor, you can approach the person that, that invited you and ask them. It might just be a miraculous Christmas for you. Lord God in heaven, I thank you for this day. I thank you for allowing us to have this time to look at your word and rejoice for what you were doing and what you did do and what you will continue to do. Lord, we rejoice in Emmanuel. We rejoice in Jesus, the Son of God. Lord, I pray for those who at, who, who at home are listening and for even those here who might just not have the courage to raise their hand. Lord, that you would use your Holy Spirit and the truth of your word to grant understanding to that one to bring about salvation. And may your name always be exalted and glorified here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.